When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. bye week. I'm feeling relaxed, refreshed. It was such a calm weekend of football. And the Ravens, back in first place in the AFC North by doing nothing. Uh, Because the AFC is not that good, and nobody in the AFC is that good. The Bengals, back down to earth. The Bills struggled with a bad Dolphins team for a long time. The Chiefs, who knows? Could the Ravens just steal? The Super Bowl birth out of the AFC, in the words of, of, uh, of Seth from the legendary movie Superbad, we could be that mistake. I'm Antonio Barbera, and I turn now to my co-hosts, starting first on the West Coast, Jace Evans. Jace, are you as re-energized in football after a bye week as I am? Yes, I am, Antonio. Yes. I... Uh, you know, I was in a dark place a little bit when we recorded this. I, I was down on the Ravens, but after watching just... Um, you know, every team be not that good in the conference the Ravens play in, the Ravens vaulting back into first place by their division rival losing to one of the worst teams in the NFL, uh, entering the game. Uh, it, yeah, it just has reaffirmed that the NFL, really the whole league, but especially the AFC this year is completely wide open in a way it hasn't been in quite some time. And I, and that's exciting. And I think it gives me a a renewed hope, a renewed optimism that even though the Ravens are this team, they have clear flaws. We went into it last week. Uh, So do all the other top contenders in the league. They have major issues and um, we're seeing uh, the 17 game season. We're still not really have, we're kind of just now hitting the halfway mark uh, of the year here in week eight. A lot of football to go. And injuries are starting to play a big toll. Um, and it's going to be a war of attrition. And, you know, the Ravens, uh, as long as they have number eight, I like their chances. And on the East Coast, Tim Horsey. Tim, you're uh, a few weeks in with a, with a pup now. So are you, are you re-energized? Have you got any sleep? How's, uh, how's puppy life and Ravens bye week life going? Oh, no, I am so tired. But that hasn't really changed. 
the dog has just added more of, uh, you know, sleep deprivation and insomnia to my life that I already had in droves. Um, in terms of football, yeah, I'm energized by how bad everyone is, I guess. You know, I, I love the Baltimore Ravens more than pretty much everything in my life. Uh, sorry, Siri, she's sitting over here. She did not like that comment. <laughs> but it is nice to kind of have a weekend of, I'm just going to turn on red zone and zone out. Um, pay attention to these games, but not absolutely lose my mind and have my blood pressure exceed levels that it shouldn't for a 29-year-old. Um, so it was, ni- it was a nice weekend, and as we're about to get into, pretty much perfect for the Baltimore Ravens. So, I, you know, it couldn't have really gone any better. Um, and I have a lot of things to say about the Cleveland Browns, so let's get into it. Every team in the AFC now has at least two losses. There's no undefeated teams left with the Arizona Cardinals losing to the Green Bay Packers uh, on Thursday last week. It's, it's parody. It's a year of parody in the NFL and as Jace mentions, once the injuries pile up elsewhere in the league, that can only help the Ravens come back to the middle in terms of health by, by the time everything evens out. We have a couple of little Ravens news and notes to go over, and then we're going to turn to the rest of the NFL and then preview Ravens hosting the Vikings on Sunday. Uh, but first, sort of a, a sad slash disconcerting uh, note that quietly made the rounds uh, today as we record on Monday. Uh, that Ravens linebacker Malik Harrison uh, was involved, I mean, quote unquote, involved in a shooting where he was hit by a stray bullet outside a nightclub in Cleveland. Um, The Ravens placed him on the reserve non-football injury list. He's fine in terms of, you know, nothing serious long-term for for his health, but uh, uh, certainly a scary thing to just to hear, uh, on a, on a Monday after a seemingly quiet NFL or a quiet Ravens weekend. Um, no news on, on his status for this coming week. Probably not going to play, but um, but a, a sort of scary news bubble, guys. Yeah, I mean, look, we could state the obvious. I'm so, so happy that he's okay and it was not non-life-threatening. Um, you know, it, was, it seemed like a pass-through. As far as we know, you know, Harbaugh came out and said, basically happy that this is the quote from his presser on Monday. Happy he's okay. Very grateful that he's okay and not hurt worse. Anything can happen. Just a tough situation. So, you know, mum's the word as you expect. So, you know, we're stating the obvious. Glad he's okay. Take the time to rest, recover. Hopefully he can be out on the field at some point soon uh, during the season. But in terms of on the field, it is interesting because, if you're just looking like to treat this as an injury sense, right? I, in my brain go Malik Harrison, not the the massive loss, but a guy that can tackle a thumper inside a guy like Patrick queen, who they came into the NFL together has struggled uh, to recognize plays and get to the plays in time. And, you know, all the stuff we've talked about with Patrick queen, Malik Harrison, has a lot of those same criticisms as well. But the one thing that he doesn't have is he can actually bring a guy to the ground, which Patrick Queen is, is struggling at this year, not to take, you know, side swipes at old number six. But then I looked at it and Harrison started the first five games of the year, but this comes from uh, ESPN's article on the entire situation. The last three games, Malik Harrison has been on the field for fewer than 20 defensive snaps. And obviously that's the prominence of Josh Bynes coming in as well. So 
from the outside for me looking at it, it was like, oh, that might be a big miss for a team that has really struggled to tackle, but it kind of really hasn't been a factor um, recently anyway. So maybe it's not as big of a hit on the field for the Ravens as we thought. Yeah, I mean, it's, as you guys said, very strange to just kind of wake up and see the story. Like, the first I saw reported of it was uh, just the Ravens' Twitter account just kind of releasing it as more or less a press release. Um, And then Harbaugh's comments, he said, like, he hadn't talked to Malik Harrison yet. So it seems like maybe more details to come on that. Obviously, I hope he's okay. But, yeah, as, as, as Tim said, it probably won't have a super big impact um, on the Ravens on the field this week against the Vikings. However, depth is always nice. As we just mentioned, uh, injuries are ravaging the rest of the league as well as what we've seen from the Ravens. And so that's one less linebacker they have uh, available to them. And that's a concern uh, for, you know, guys like Patrick, if he like, we're going to have to see more Patrick Queen, if that's 20 less snaps uh, from Malik Harrison. So um yeah, I hope he gets better soon, obviously, um, and uh, it gets back on the field uh, this season. You know, it's hard to kind of evaluate uh, given the nature of the injury um, he suffered there. But, uh, yeah, hopefully we see him back soon. The last little note that I wanted to talk about is the NFL trade deadline is Tuesday at 4. The Ravens, I would say in years past, notable inactive members of the mid-season trade deadline at least for big names but we'll keep you posted as we record this obviously a a little bit of time left for some news to trickle in uh, but we may end up not seeing anything from Baltimore until Tuesday maybe hours before as there's always a little spike in in small moves made at the two three o'clock in Baltimore but uh in the past week a move that we have yet to talk about is the Ravens with uh, Ronnie Stanley out for the season, McCarry moving to right guard and then immediately getting hurt and the obvious issues the Ravens have had along the offensive line. They signed uh, a former first-round pick uh, of the Cincinnati Bengals, uh, no less, from 2015, Cedric uh, Obwehi, uh, who was currently, uh, or I guess last played for the Seattle Seahawks uh, in an attempt to just get depth along the offensive line and potentially have him play right tackle at some point um, guys, not a lot of news on this player, certainly not a, a, a standout or even consistent NFL <laughs> starter, but depth uh, along the NFL uh, along the offensive line uh, for Baltimore with this move. Yeah. And it's interesting too. And uh, apologies. I was trying to pull up some of the, uh, the stats on uh boy. He, you Antonio, by the way, way better than I'm ever going to do with that name until I hear it from a Kevin Harlan or I had to pull it up. I, I literally pulled up a pro football reference and they give you a little pronunciation guide. (laughs) That is why you were a professional. Um, Obviously talent there, you know, a first round pick, like you mentioned in 2015, the one thing that I think is interesting as well. um, You know, I think this is, is certainly a depth move a way he's not coming in here and, and starting games immediately for this team, but he played a long time with Kevin Zeitler with Cincinnati and he was pretty good in Cincinnati. I saw some of the PFF grades and apologies. I had them when this move was made. I, I can't find them at the moment. But the numbers were okay. They weren't stellar. They weren't 
you know, fantastic. He definitely fell off a little bit with Seattle. He did start three games this year before, you know, moving to the practice squad and ended up being cut. But having a relationship on that right side of the offensive line, look, I'm taking any positives I can for this offensive line right now. Just in he has with how two much working legs. <laughs> yes. He knows how to run block, hopefully. Yeah, like, you know, whatever you can. And so for me, the biggest positive, I saw that and I looked into it. I was like, oh, yeah, he played with Zeitler a lot in Cincinnati. Having that rapport is going to be nice, even for a guy that's probably just going to be a depth piece. It was one interesting thing that stuck out to me. I was reading uh, Jeff Zerebik's uh, sort of piece from this morning. Uh, Six of the Ravens' 16 practice squad members are currently offensive linemen. Uh, so they're certainly uh, loading up, <laughs> uh, trying to, to address the depth issues, the injury issues they've had up front. As we've said, they're on their third right tackle of the season already um, due to injuries uh, across various points of the line. So you can never have too much depth on the offensive line. I think it's a problem. Um, you know, they currently only have six offensive linemen on their team, like on the active roster uh, with McCarry injured. Um, which obviously you need a five at minimum. So having only six is kind of precarious. So yeah, I'm always fine with bringing in depth. Like at this point of the year, it's like, you're not going to get like a five time all pro guard just, you know, off the practice squad. So these are the kinds of guys uh, you'll get. And uh, you know, I, I always, you know, maybe you lean on it too much, but just getting guys, former first round picks, you like, there's a level of talent there that made the first round picks. So you get these guys, maybe you can coach them up and if they can, you know, step in if called upon. That's it for, for Ravens news for now. Again, as we potentially hear any news that trickles in here, as we record on the Ravens uh, before the tread that trade deadline, we will certainly bring you up to speed, but for now let's move to uh, move to the NFL and starting off with the AFC North where the Steelers, beat the Cleveland Browns in Cleveland in the most Steelers versus Browns game, just right out of 1997, 15-10. I watched parts of this game. I did not watch all of this game, but I did watch Baker Mayfield get super excited about a first down run. And then I looked at the score and realized that they had, it was late in the game and they had scored 10 points. And it was just, that's Baker Mayfield right there, losing the forest for the trees. They would not score again. And the Browns, four and four, and certainly not making the noise that we thought they would uh, in the AFC, in the AFC North. And Pittsburgh making maybe more noise than we gave Big Ben credit for a couple of weeks ago. I mean, certainly it's 15 points, guys, but Steelers taking the first matchup against the Browns. And what do we make of that for the AFC North picture? For the AFC North picture, well, you mentioned it, Antonio. If the season ended today, the Baltimore Ravens would be hosting the Pittsburgh Steelers in the playoffs, and that concerns me. (laughs) But uh, I will say, yeah, this was very Browns. Not only did uh, the play after Baker, which he was kind of blasted late, hit out of bounds. He's fired up. Uh, his teammates are bad. Do not defend him. No, well, Do I was going to say, him. The, the very next play, two plays later, Jarvis Landry fumbled <laughs> um, to basically end their last best hope, um, which was a, just a very funny two plays, two, three plays sequence of events. It's like your quarter, like he's all fired up, and then the, he hits Landry and 
He fumbles. Beckham did absolutely nothing. Odell Beckham, I don't know what's happened to this guy. He he, 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 he shows up to the stadium dressed as Michael Jackson uh, for some reason and then proceeded to have just the worst performance of his career. Um, he had one catch for six yards. Great, man. Good stuff. Uh, <laughs> but... Yeah, I, I the Browns are the Browns. I know Tim has some thoughts, so we'll, <laughs> I'll shoot it to him in just a minute. But yeah, uh, the the notable thing with the Steelers, you mentioned the score of fifteen to ten. Um, this is because the Steelers could not attempt any kicks uh, the second half when uh, their kicker Chris Boswell was absolutely obliterated. Um, it's you know it's funny we watch all these very bad roughing the passer penalties and just penalties in general every week but he got legitimately just decked like decleated like eight seconds after he threw the ball just no call he's knocked out of the game um and so yeah the, the Steelers could not kick a kick in the second half so they had to go for it uh on fourth down when they were down just 10 to 9 from like the two yard line rather than kick the chip shot field goal they uh attempted two points it was a very strange game I still don't know that they're good obviously they scored 15 points but oh man the Browns the Browns really Browns it up Tim uh this was a, a tour de force from the Cleveland Browns uh on Sunday yeah um a couple things <laughs> I and I credit to a friend of mine that I was watching the game with I ended up, we ended up going to my parents' house for Sunday, had some dinner, dogs met each other, all that fun stuff. And um, my parents were in the middle of watching this game on CBS because they had not been introduced to the blessing that is NFL Red Zone. I quickly changed that because I didn't want to have too much Baker Mayfield burning, you know, burning my retinas at any one time. I'm trying to gather all these thoughts so I don't just go in completely seven different directions here, but start levitating a buddy i was watching the game with a loyal listener to this program said i think we're at the state of ravens fandom like standings records disregard those we're at a point in our ravens fandom where i would rather the steelers win this game doesn't matter if it helped us or hurt us in terms of the ravens and and their standings and you know what i agree and i think the fact that the Cleveland Browns have levitated out of the absolute dross, muck, embarrassment, S-stain on the undergarment of the NFL that they have been for so long, and they got past that level that people are immediately want to crown them, as, as <laughs> Dennis Green would say, may he rest in peace. To just be mediocre... I hope that is their new hell where they are just completely 500. They are nine and eight, eight and nine, seven and 10 for the rest of time. And because, because it was so bad beforehand, they pay Baker Mayfield, pay him whatever he wants, because you know what? That guy gets juiced up after getting hit. He's really tough playing with that shoulder. They probably should have just played case Keenum. He's a better quarterback than Baker Mayfield. When healthy, they're going to pay this guy whatever he wants because he makes them a, I can't even use the word competent. I'll just say a football team rather than what they were beforehand. (laughs) And 
he is going to make money. They're not going to be able to keep all this talent, quote unquote, that they have because they have the quarterback thing. It's the same thing we talk about with Lamar Jackson. And they are going to be stuck in mediocrity for the rest of time. And I, for one, am excited about it. In terms of the actual game, I mean... A horrible game. <laughs> it's all, It was a horrible game. Pittsburgh still scares me because it's one of those things where they can just do enough. And their defense is good. I think their defense is legitimately good. Something that the Ravens can't say about themselves. And Roethlisberger did just enough. And yet the, the funniest... the funniest part of this whole thing as a Ravens fan I am saying this by the way a man who has screamed horrible awful things at Ben Roethlisberger through my television set things that I'm embarrassed about frankly the fact that he owns that city and just goes in there again when he can't throw the ball anymore he's bumbling around like like the geriatric man that he is playing in this game and still ends up beating them with a like late touchdown pass to a rookie tight end that all the Steelers fans there can, you know, do their one syllable thing. I was elated. I was elated as a Ravens fan that the Steelers went in and beat the Browns. And it's just, uh, I, I I think the Browns are a microcosm of the AFC to, 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 you know, try and get all the jokes out anyway of, Teams that we thought had a lot of talent, teams that we thought were going to do something, and everybody, and I, I would even stretch it. You guys, you guys in the in the intro here, stretch it to N, uh, AFC. I would stretch it to NFL. I think there's just not that many good teams in the National Football League this year, um, and you know, there's a lot of time left. I'm sure people will emerge, but the Browns are the microcosm of that of teams that we thought were going to be stellar, and you know what? As we get to the other team in the AFC North here, maybe you just can't wipe the stink off. Like that, that might be a real thing. And we saw it with Ben Roethlisberger going in again to Cleveland again and making it a factory of sadness. He has uh, 50 wins in the state of Ohio in his career, uh, his home state <laughs> between the, the Bengals and the uh, Browns. Pittsburgh was one and three a month into the season, three wins now, all one score wins, all in the most Cleveland of ways. They're all in the most Pittsburgh of ways, excuse me. Uh, Pittsburgh hosts the Bears next week. And the Browns will travel to Cincinnati next week at 4-4. Four and four. And the Bengals, this is what we've been talking about this every week. There's a new team in the AFC that's crowned the, the top dog. And first it was the Chargers, and the Ravens took that from them. Then it was the Bengals who took it from the Ravens. And then the Bengals lose two the New York football jets. I, I proudly lost my teaser from last week because I mentioned that none of the listeners knew who Mike white was and <laughs> thus bet on the Bengals in a tease. And that didn't work for any of us. Cincinnati. Now uh, I want to make sure I get their record right now, five and three, and we'll take on Cleveland next week. Guys thoughts on the Bengals and that blistering matchup between mediocre AFC North football teams? I, um, I will say, on the one hand, I am a little concerned uh, about the Ravens in hindsight uh, because they, in fact, uh, lost to this Bengals team that just lost to the New York Jets um, that allowed a Bengals team that allowed Mike White uh, 400 yards, uh, over 400 yards passing um, 
405 to be precise, I believe was the most in a starting debut since Cam Newton, uh, his rookie game, uh, the most by any Jets quarterback period uh, since Vinny Testaverde did it like 20 years ago, he had 400 yards in a game. Uh, very inexplicable, very strange, um, very weird game. He was just, he got picked twice, uh, twice pretty early, but you know, the game kind of swings on a late Burrow interception. Shaq Lawson made a great play, but yeah, I mean, I think, I think it was a very poor game from the Bengals and I don't know if they were riding too high or it was your, oh, right. Yeah. This is still a young team with a young QB and a coach that we weren't sure was good. was on many first coach fired lists uh, prior to their five and two start. So um yeah, I, it was very weird. I don't know what to make of it. The Jets scored in the first quarter for the first time all year without their second overall pick. Um, so, yeah, it's hard to know what they did differently that, that they haven't been doing, but uh, it was a, a magical game for Mike White, certainly, and a very exciting game. I mean, 34-31, it was one of the games of the day uh, in the NFL. Just this kind of stunning comeback from the Jets. They go down 17-7 and just – just roar back and score, score, score down the stretch. It was just, it was a weird game. As for the Bengals, yeah, I don't really know what to make of it. Uh, I don't know if you just chalk it up to a bad game or more of a, oh, yeah, it's the Bengals. This is what they do. But, I mean, 400 yards for Mike White. You couldn't uh, – literally couldn't script it. It was uh, some, some never-before-seen stuff. Anybody in the analytics world or the really data crunching the numbers about the National Football League is going to laugh at this statement. But the stink is real. It's a real thing. Momentum is real. The stink is real. I'm sorry. I'm going to believe in it the rest of my life. The Bengals have the stink. Until they break through the stink, until they shower, until they put on some deodorant, maybe a little shampoo, you know, the whole thing, conditioner if you're feeling fancy – they're going to have the stink. It is deep-rooted stink in their fur, and they cannot get it out because they are the Cincinnati Bengals. This is a team that does not have an indoor practice facility in Cincinnati, in a sport that is primarily played in the wintertime. Does it get cold there, Tim? A little bit, just a little bit, but don't worry. Just eat your weight in Skyline Chili, and that'll fill you up all nice and tight. You'll be fine. I think... In all seriousness, um, well, no, here's one more joke. When you bring Smoke and Joe Flacco in, you get the moxie, and that's why Mike White was able to sling it. He learned from Joe in just those few days. It was uh, clearly what happened. The power of the number five. (laughs) He didn't give it up to Joe, and Joe said, you know what? Bless you, son. Here you go. Go out and kill the Bengals, because I had some struggles with them earlier in my career, which things we don't have to mention. Um, I, I, You know, it, it was for me, it was one of those games that, and, and Antonio, you mentioned it when, when we started referencing this game. It was the Super Bowl game beforehand. It has happened to every single team this year. It's the, the game that they have to win. Everybody's crowning them after this big statement win that the other team definitely, you know, based on how the Ravens played, didn't care as much about as you did. You win that big game. Everybody is, you're rising up the power rankings. The Cincinnati Bengals, can you believe it? They're top of the AFC. Is this an actual Super Bowl team? Look how good Jamar Chase is. And then it's a letdown. It happens to everybody. I mean, it happened to the Ravens after the Chargers game against Cincinnati. It's cyclical. This, all these things come around. Um, so if I'm a Bengals fan, honestly, I'm more worried about the stink than the letdown. If, if that's a weird, like a weird way to put it, where 
I think they're somewhere in between how they played today, uh, or excuse me, on Sunday, and how they played against uh, the Ravens. I think that was the best performance they could have put on against the Ravens. And you know what? If that was their best, then fine. I don't expect to see it twice uh, when it comes to facing facing the Bengals again later in the season for Baltimore. And for the Jets, I mean, the thing that I love the most about this is that today, if you listen to what have you, you know, my personal lists is like, pardon my take, the Pat McAfee show, Bill Simmons, you can ESPN, NFL, Sirius XM, NFL radio to plug my company, whatever you listen to. What you're hearing from the New York media is there might be a quarterback controversy and Robert Sala has opened the door for a quarterback controversy, which just is so New York of you can't have nice things with the Jets. It's again, the stink. You can't have nice things. You know, you have your quarterback of the future, the guy you drafted number two overall. Yes, Mike White had a great game. He's going to play some more. Zach Wilson's out for a while. Maybe just enjoy it rather than trying to crown him as the new king of New York when you already have a guy that you think, well, uh, recent play aside, I guess, think might be the new king of the New York for, for the Jets. So that, it kind of sours a win. If I was a Jets fan, I would be annoyed that they were already talking like that. But but like like Jay said, it was a hell of a game. It was a hell of a win for them. And for Cincinnati, it's tough. You look ahead to the, the Browns, you're clearly going to be pissed off, right? You're clearly going to be upset about what how things went down, and you're going to take this Ohio rivalry very, very seriously. And, you know, maybe that holds an advantage. Joe, Joe Burrow is clearly a guy that can play with a chip on his shoulder. Maybe that helps them next week uh, against Cleveland. Elsewhere in the NFL, I'm going to run through a couple of games, guys, and then ask for uh, whichever, whichever game you watch the most of or whichever storyline intrigues you the most. Uh, the Saints upset the Tampa Bay Buccaneers but lose Jameis Winston for the season to an ACL tear. The Titans continue to win and take care of the Indianapolis Colts in overtime, but uh, lose Derrick Henry to a foot injury. Uh, Henry might be out six weeks. He might be out 10 weeks. He might be out for the season. Uh, Certainly he will not be back for a while. And they've since signed Adrian Peterson back from the dead. Perfect uh, Halloween weekend signing to try to stem the tide a little bit. We'll see what he has left, left in his legs. Uh, and then the Cowboys beat the Minnesota Vikings, who the Ravens are very, were very involved in discussing the Vikings this week, as that's who the Ravens play next. And the Cowboys able to beat them in Minnesota without Dak Prescott, who was out with an injury. And the legend of Cooper Rush uh, has been born. And we'll see how many weeks uh, this lasts, if, if never again. But quickly, by my count, and I could be wrong with this, I am not a statistician. Uh, so I had to do the old by hand uh, math and analysis, but we are eight weeks through the NFL season. And by my count, 11 different teams have had to replace a quarterback due to injury, Miami, San Francisco, Chicago, Cleveland, Houston, Indianapolis, the New York jets, Seattle, New Orleans, Dallas, and Washington have all had to have a replacement starting quarterback And that does not even include the Kansas City Chiefs or Denver Broncos who had to bring in backup quarterbacks to finish games at some point in this season. We talked at the beginning of this episode about how injuries across the rest of the NFL are evening the playing field for the Ravens. By week 14, are we doing like third string quarterbacks? Is it just 
Will the NFL playoffs be who has their starting quarterback still active and, and playing games? It's increasingly feeling like that, and that is why I'm positive the Buccaneers are going to win the Super Bowl again because Tom Brady uh, is a machine. He's the Terminator. I hate he may you. have thrown a pick six, which was honestly the most stunning thing for me of the day in football was, you know, the, the, the Saints, they have this valiant game after Jameis goes down pretty early in that game. They go up big, um, relatively. They, they get a nice little lead. Uh, then the Bucks just climb back and climb back, take the lead in the fourth quarter. Saints get a nice drive, but have to settle for a field goal. And you get Tom Brady back with less than two minutes to go. But it's like a minute 49 up to the Saints are. And you're like, oh, this guy, Bucks win all over it. Uh, you know, you're like, there, there's no way Tom Brady doesn't go down on the field. And then he immediately throws a pick six. Like it was one of the more genuinely surprising moments. Like, We've just seen Tom Brady come through so many times in that in that game, uh, in in those moments, and so for him to throw a pick six there was crazy. I think New Orleans is good. It's unfortunate that Jameis was is now gone. It seems like it creates a big question mark. Taysom Hill's also hurt, uh, which is why we had the Trevor Simeon experience. You may remember him as the Denver Broncos starter post Peyton Manning <laughs> a few years back. Um, not great. Wasn't horrible he's just not very it kind of he's kind of one of those low ceiling high-ish not even high floor but just like it's off the ground enough that you don't have to worry about like it flooding or whatever but uh you know that game so that game I think was big because the Saints figure to be I think one of the NFC playoff teams and now they're a big big question mark post Jamis but I, I will say at least for the Ravens as far as they're concerned the biggest story has to be Henry's injury that was the other game I probably watched the most of, certainly the, the latter stages. Um, we got just two amazing Carson Wentz interceptions after we hadn't uh, in, in quite some time. Uh, the one, his interception in the end zone was one of the, I literally yelled, oh no, aloud to myself. It was so bad uh, just watching it here in my apartment. But um, uh, and he sets them up in OT with another Wentz interception. And so the Titans get this big win, right? They go to six and two. The Titans are currently the number one seed in the AFC. But you lose Derrick Henry, who I think was angling for the MVP in this year where we you talked about Antonio. There is so much quarterback uncertainty. Like, no one guy's really stood out above the other when it comes to QBs. And so then you had this obvious guy, Henry, he was on pace to break the rushing record, to break Eric Dickerson's single season rushing record, was possibly going to uh, approach the touches record. And now who knows when he's out. And I think he's obviously such a huge piece of what they do. I think the Titans are a good team, but like – Julio Jones has been in and out of the lineup with injuries. Um, and, and now it's Adrian Peterson, Jeremy McNichols, Ryan Tannehill is your QB. I, I don't, it'll be interesting to see what happens to them because they have the AFC South sewn up and they seem like they had a real, a real path to maybe getting the number one seed in the AFC because they're in that easy division because um, they have this magnificent player in Henry and now he's gone. And I think, um, you know, if he's back for the playoffs, that's good for them, bad for everyone else. But uh, in the immediate, I think that really shakes up what the seeding race is going to be. Because the Titans, I think, had a real chance to really kind of put the hammer down and maybe take control of that top spot. Yeah, I mean, I'm with you. Th- those were the two games I-, I focused on a lot. But I'll pivot a little bit. But I- the Titans thing is is so interesting because they were, st- I mean, in a, in a year of parody in the AFC, not just record, but you look at, like, who they beaten – and it's like, damn, are, but I guess the Titans are the kings of the AFC right now. Like this, and 
Derrick Henry was doing Derrick Henry stuff. And, you know, you're never going to root for injuries. And that sucks when I'm, I have much disdain for the Tennessee Titans, but when I get to watch that man bowl over people that aren't wearing purple and black, I do enjoy it quite a lot because he is so fun to watch. Um, I think it's interesting that, and and who knows, as of recording, they have signed Adrian Peterson. They have not added anybody else to that roster, whether it's, I saw Tyson Williams getting thrown around a lot, uh, Marlon Mack from the Colts, although they probably wouldn't trade him to a division rival. They might still add, and again, you loyal listener, if you are listening after 4 p.m. Eastern on, on Tuesday, uh, when this episode releases, you will know if the Titans did anything else. But I think they probably need to. I love AD all day, every day. I love Adrian Peterson. Don't get me wrong, but he's 36 years old and he hasn't played yet this season. He is not going to be the bell cow for an offense that frankly relies on the run. And that being said, they still have AJ Brown. They still have Julio Jones. They'll be okay. Um, I mean, I don't know what the Saints did to Tom Brady. They beat him, in, like the Bucks beat them in the playoffs, but he's just struggling against them. It's like the Dolphins always had his number for whatever reason in New England. And speaking of New England, I'm officially worried about Bill Belichick again. Uh, they finally notch an impressive win, the Patriots do, against the Chargers, who if you don't – this is the thing that scares me about the Ravens too. If your defense sucks, you're screwed. And the – the Chargers defense is god awful. It is horrific. It is terrible. It is horrendous. But the Patriots, after beating the Jets twice and the Texans, finally get an impressive win against this Chargers team. Mac Jones looks annoyingly competent. Um, and their defense, and I'll say it, Matt Judon looks good, and the defense looks strong. And for me, Bill Belichick is ramping up that team at the right time. And that is the team that if they get the six seed, they get the seven seed. You know, if, if there's a wild card and or divisional matchup with New England, even if it's in Baltimore, I am horrified because of the coach on the other side of the field being the greatest of all time. And yeah, the Patriots might be good. Uh, you look at their upcoming schedule here as well. Uh, I believe, and let me just pull it up very quickly here. Their record, they're four and four. Obviously, they're one and four at home, which is interesting. They're three and zero away from home. You expect that to turn as they are away to the Panthers, at home to the Browns, uh, away to the Falcons, a Derrick Henryless Titans at home. So that's probably a loss. And then their final stretch here as we enter December. Here you go: two games against the Bills. So those are two crucial games, obviously, for the division race. Away to the Colts, who suck. At home to the Jaguars, who really suck. And away to the Dolphins to end the year, who might suck even more than the Jaguars. It's close. I mean, they're, they're going for the wooden spoon, as they call it in MLS. I, I think the Patriots are making the playoffs, and that yeah. horrifies me. That, that sounds like 10 wins, and <laughs> I don't enjoy that uh, coming out of New England. I looked at, you were talking about the defenses, and I looked up, I just had it in front of me, that the Ravens and the Patriots have given up exactly the same number of points and i was going to bring that up as like, oh whoa, wait a minute now and then i realized that the patriots have played an extra game because they haven't had their buy yet so yes yeah it's a concern tim and the three and out on the road of course because it's a bill belichick team so if they have a road playoff game it's gonna they'll be prepared for it let's say uh i don't like it i don't like that they're only two games out of the division lead with with two games against the bills to play who Every, like, two weeks, the Bills do something that doesn't make any sense. Uh, I, I fact-checked 
myself on this 11 teams had to replace a quarterback and I want to change it. I was off by one. It is 10 because although Carson Wentz has had every ankle injury in the book, he has actually started every game. He, he's been banged up and had to come out of one of the games, but he's actually started all of them. Famously two ankle sprains <laughs> on both ankles. separate ankles and played. Yeah. Um, but he's also Carson Wentz. So I don't, you know, I don't know how valuable of an asset he is. Well, it, if the Colts play, I forget what the percentage is, but it's like, if the Colts play, I'm like, I think like 80, 75, 80% of their snaps, offensive snaps this year, uh, their first round pick goes to the Eagles. So <laughs> they have a decision to make at some point about, uh, oh, is Carson Wentz really injured? He might have to sit some games out uh, sort of deal. But uh, And Jace going over that, pick six that he threw. I mean, I think most of our listeners, if you haven't seen it, just go see it because it's high comedy. Jace had to text the thread to make sure that we were aware of it happening (laughs) and should go and see it. It is the very rare, I think he was trying to do the pump fake, get the defenders to jump, roll out away from pressure, but he pump faked directly into the ground in front of him because it was, I think it was a screen attempt on the two yard line so nobody jumps Carson when you throw the ball down at the ground so in the pump fake nobody jumped and then immediately was they were all ready to tackle him so just the Carson Wenciest pick six ever and it's worth a it's worth a watch it Um, was uh I had a a a good friend in our group chat said you know it's a bad play I'm paraphrasing I can't remember exactly what he said but he's basically like you know it's a bad play when a safety would have been for the preferred outcome (laughs) And I thought that was very, very well said. Carson Wentz can't figure out when to just let it die. Like that guy just doesn't like just needs to calm down. You know, obviously he'd get popped for marijuana if he smoked it before the game, but it might be a good idea because the man needs to chill out. Absolutely chill out. Every play he thinks is either going to win them the game or lose them the game. He's throwing it with it's, – it's, by the way, it's like a double screen that he's trying. There's one screen there in front of him. It's not there. Then he tries to shovel it to another guy that's not there. Getting tackled and shot puts it up in the air in the end zone. Like it, the ball doesn't travel outside of the goal line. Or if, if it does, it's like at the two maybe. And it's just the easiest pick in the world. I – if I'm a Colts fan, I can't – well, first of all, I, I would hate myself. But I can't imagine having to deal with a quarterback like that. Like, you know, we, we talk about it with Lamar sometimes, right, and his progressions and re- trying to do too much, putting the team on his back too much. But it's never asinine. It's never completely stupid. It's never like where is his brain leaking out of his helmet? Why is he doing this type of plays? It's – the typical throwing it into triple coverage because, you know, you're trying to do way too much there. It, it's just, And yeah, I know that sounds dumb too. I get it. But it's – and purple tinted glasses, whatever you want to say. But it's not the just bonehead, bonehead sports center, not top ten plays that we see from Carson Wentz every week, every single week. And you, you say the fans, Tim. This is a team that obviously had Peyton Manning, had Andrew Luck. These fans know what good quarterback play yep. looks like, and they have to watch this and go, uh-oh, this isn't it. 
even if somehow Wentz had only thrown one pick entering Sunday's game, the two he threw single-handedly, they literally lost in the game. It was a pick six that put the Titans up, and then he sets them up in overtime for the game-winning field goal. And that's what you're just going to have to deal with with him. And it stinks, like you said. I don't know what he thinks sometimes, but uh, it was a bad decision. And basically, it seals the AFC South up. Like, Because uh, yep. even in the face of this Henry injury, this Titans, I believe, have a three-game lead in the division already, uh, or maybe even four games. They're six and two, and every other team's below 500. So, um yeah, it can pretty much cost the Colts the division a chance at the division title, frankly. Last uh, NFL bit that, that I want to talk about is not about uh, gameplay, but it happened uh, earlier today, and it involved a trade, and it's a real bummer. Uh, Von Miller <laughs> traded from the Denver Broncos, who are 4-4 four and four and have a plus-20 point differential when seven teams make the playoffs in the AFC, they traded one of their better defensive players, a, a franchise legend, to the Los Angeles Rams. Uh, somehow the Rams still had draft picks. I didn't know this. Those are gone because they gave two uh, day two draft picks to Denver for Von Miller. They did make the Broncos eat the vast majority of Miller's salary. Uh, for this year to make um, the trade work under the cap because, you know, the Rams also don't have any money aside from having any draft picks. And yet they're still able to do this guys. Cause you know who else would have maybe enjoyed Von Miller, the Baltimore Ravens defense. So uh, I FDA guess it's good to get this guy good. out of the AFC, but uh, what do you make of, of this blockbuster trade? I, I just don't understand how NFL trades work. You went over it. Like, they seem these guys all that seem great are seemingly just cast away no i guess they got two second round picks miller's a pending free agent but like we go back a few just a few weeks stefan gilmore another all pro recent defensive player of the year was traded for i believe a sixth round pick (laughs) and and now we have von miller as you said (laughs) probably the single greatest defensive player in the history of the denver broncos like truly one of the great broncos players it's like John Elway and Von Miller's probably honestly on the Broncos Mount Rushmore. He's like that good Super Bowl MVP. The single-handed reason they won the Super Bowl 50 uh, those years ago. I don't get it. I don't get how, and you said like they get the, they just two picks, no first round picks. And then they're eating, the Broncos are paying 9 million of Miller's, 9.7 9.7 million salaries. So the Rams only have to pay him $700,000 for the services of Von Miller for the rest of the year. He was injured. He's coming off an injury, but yeah, it's just very confusing. You mentioned the assets, the, the Rams don't have, um, they're expected to get a third round compensatory pick for uh, Brad Holmes. Who's now the lions GM. Um, but they don't actually have a pick of their own until the fifth round this year. Uh, their their first round pick was traded in the Matthew Stafford trade. Their second round picks going in the Von Miller trade. Their own third round pick for Miller. They traded their fourth rounder to offload Brandon Cooks, which I had forgotten about. Uh, they traded their sixth round pick for Sony Michelle. So they have they have about four picks entering this draft: two seventh rounders, uh, a fifth rounder, and an expected third round compensatory pick. Uh, it's obviously different than what we've seen with our Ravens roster building strategy when the Ravens have had as many as 10 picks multiple times uh, in the last several drafts. The Rams don't care about draft picks, but I will say 
they're going all in to win the Super Bowl. And I like your front when you have Von Miller. I know he hasn't had the greatest season. Uh, he's coming off a major injury. Uh, he hasn't had a great season to his standards. But you put in Von Miller next to Aaron Donald. He's not going to get opportunities to rush the passer lining up uh, in and around Aaron Donald. <laughs> I think it's going to work out fabulously for the Rams. So I think it's a great move for the Rams. They're clearly loading up. They're, they're one of the best teams in the NFL. They're 7-1 now. Um, so I think it's a great move. I mean, I, I've always loved Von Miller. He's awesome. One of, the, uh, one of my favorite players to watch in the NFL that isn't on the Ravens. So, yeah, I'm very more just baffled by NFL trades, the process, and how these all unfold than anything. And then secondary, how the Rams are the team. It's like the Saints when they keep signing free agents, even though they allegedly have no salary cap space. This is the Rams for tra- uh, trading draft picks. <laughs> I just think the cap isn't real. Like, it just – it's. <laughs> I'm just convinced that it's not really a real thing um, because, I mean, they always say the bill always comes due, right? Does it? Apparently, <laughs> apparently the bill is going to come due for the Saints, which they, it's coming due a little bit for them. The Buccaneers, whenever Brady decides to retire, that robot. And then uh, the Rams. At some point, the bill is going to come due for guys like Jalen Ramsey, one of the most expensive players in the league. Aaron Donald, one of the most expensive players in the league. Matthew Stafford, one of the most expensive players in the league. Like, yeah, I mean, Jace, you nailed it. He's one of my favorite players, too. I love that he owns a chicken farm. He's he's good old country boy, which always is a win in my book. Um, he is a dominant force. You mentioned Aaron Donald, who, by the way, gets doubled and tripled team and still just gets through that every single time. Von Miller, one of the best pass rushers of this last decade. And then Leonard Floyd, who is like a competent, if not very good pass rusher, now is basically just going to be single covered the entire time because you have to worry about Miller and you have to worry about Donald. It is going to be a nightmare playing the Rams. Um, And you know what? If you're loading up like that, if you want to do with that strategy, that's fine. I personally and selfishly, just because I love mock drafts and I love the draft season, if I was a Rams fan, that would hurt a little bit, knowing that you're just not involved in it whatsoever. And I don't think that is sustainable. You know, it, Sean McVay can do whatever he wants with that team. Les Snead will give him whatever he wants, and that's fine. But at some point, you need to draft and develop talent. And what's going to happen is if you get a couple injuries, and maybe not even this season, but down the road a bit, say, you know, next year, two years down the road, whatever it is, Maybe you lose some of these bigger free agent guys uh, that you traded for or, you know, guys you can't re-sign because you traded for other players. If guys get hurt, that not being able to draft young talent, cheap talent, your depth goes out the window. So it looks great on paper. It's how people run franchises in Madden. Is it going to work? I'm not sure. The other thing we should mention, because we haven't yet, uh, the Ravens get to play this team. Don't forget, we get to play the Rams at some uh, point. Uh, and, um, and I did forget that. <laughs> yeah, it, it is our it is our vaunted seventeenth game this season, which is going to be great. Our offensive line against Leonard Floyd, Aaron Donald, whoever the other defensive tackle is that I'm forgetting, and Von Miller. I I, I can't wait, guys. I can't wait. Yeah, the Rams uh, will travel to Baltimore in Week 17, which is now the penultimate week of the NFL season in that nice stretch for Baltimore that goes Browns at Steelers at Browns Packers at Bengals Rams Steelers it's gonna be a gauntlet and we will see how the Ravens deal with it uh that's it for the NFL we're gonna do the random Raven now before we preview 
the Ravens hosting the Minnesota Vikings. And I am up this week with a player I'm excited to talk about. This is not so much a deep cut, but I, I am curious to see if my co-hosts uh, are familiar with this player. I have a lot of information here. So if it's too much and you tune out, that's okay. I'll read it again at the end of the episode, but I wanted to give my guys enough information to have a, a real chance uh, at a guess here. So this random Raven played for the team for four seasons from 2001 to 2004. After playing in a reserve role his first two seasons, he became a permanent starter during the 03 and 04 campaigns. His best year was in 2004, contract year, the most classic Ravens move, where he had 72 tackles, five and a half sacks, and 11 tackles for loss. He then signed with the San Francisco 49ers and played three seasons there, leading all NFL defensive linemen in tackles for loss in 2007, before then returning to Baltimore for the 2008 season, where he didn't start but played in all 16 games for the team. He played out his 11-year NFL career with one season with the New York Jets and then one with the Titans. For the Ravens, in total, he ended up playing in 55 games and starting 32, getting 183 tackles, 28 tackles for loss, and 12 sacks with the team. He wore number 94 in his first stint with the Ravens and number 91 in his last season in Baltimore. You could even say this guy saved his best for the postseason. In 2003, in the playoff loss to the Tennessee Titans, he had 13 tackles. Oh my God. And in the 2008 playoff run with a rookie Joe Flacco, he had eight tackles, one sack, one forced fumble, and two tackles for loss. A guy whose name I scanned and thought this might be an interesting random Raven did a lot more than I ever remembered him doing for the team. And that is my random Raven for the week. So I know this guy. I remember there was a guy who came back, etc. But I feel like I'm for, I'm mixing him up with just a different player who played for the 49ers. <laughs> so we'll see. We'll see if I have the name. I, I, I know generally who you're talking about, but I have like an idea. I'm oh. stunned. I have nothing. <laughs> I have absolutely nothing. I will go over these clues again at the end of the episode. But for now, it is time to once again preview a Ravens football game. Siri has joined us for this preview. She's got a lot to bark about the Ravens at M&T Bank hosting the Vikings. Ravens five and a half point favorites. Guys, I, I, I think we were talking before we recorded about the Sunday night game that you guys had not did not watch uh, a lot of it. I did watch a lot of that game and holy moly did I expect more from the Vikings specifically offensively. They were extremely conservative all game. They seemed to be playing not to lose and just waiting for Cooper Rush to make a big mistake that didn't end up coming. Instead, Cooper Rush had a game-winning touchdown pass. I don't know what to make of this Vikings team that I that statistically they seem to blow it out of the water offensively. They got weapons all over the place. And then the eye test did not live up to that expectation at all. 
Um, so what did you guys learn, if anything, from the Sunday night game, depending on how, how much you watch? They're a confounding team, Antonio, the Minnesota Vikings. I would be so frustrated if I was a fan of them. You, you said their offense, seventh in the NFL in yards. This is a team that can move the ball. But they're 18th in points scored. They can't score. It makes no sense. You said last night, uh, so the Sunday night game against uh, uh, the Cowboys, they score on their opening drive. Nice drive. They never get in the t- end zone again. They never score another touchdown. And they did that against the Browns too. They scored on their opening drive against the Browns and never scored a single point in the rest of the game and lost 14 to seven, also at home. I don't know if, if this is a Mike Zimmer problem, if it's him not trusting Kirk Cousins, if it's a Kirk Cousins, and especially Sunday night, if it's, well, it's just a Kirk Cousins and primetime problem. Because you said every long third down, it's let me throw seven yards. It's like, well, okay, but it's third and nine. <laughs> and like, it just felt like the Cowboys just kept stopping them short on third down, on these, these long third downs. And like, they wouldn't even try to, to get like 15 yards on a third and 12. And it just, Mike, Mike Zimmer would just be like, oh, let's just run it up the gut and, and, and like punt. It's very confusing. So I don't know if it's a Zimmer problem. I don't know if it's a Cousins problem. They have the talent there. The talent's really scary. And I think that's the concern if you're the Ravens defense going against this offense is Justin Jefferson and Adam Thielen are probably the two best receive, like the best receiving tandem you've seen all season. And KJ Osborne's been very good. Dalvin Cook, probably the best running back the Ravens have faced on an individual level all season. But for the Vikings, for whatever reason, it just never comes together in a full package game to game. And that's why they can seemingly beat any team and also lose to any team. And that's why they're three, three and four on the season. And this yeah, is what, out of their buy. <laughs> right. What, what worries me um, is the weapons, obviously, like you say, Jace, um, you know, talent can trump a lot of things, but you know, I joked, no, no, that wasn't really a joke, but I was talking about the Browns before and how I hope they get stuck in mediocrity. That's exactly where this Vikings team is. I think, I think the, Kirk Cousins is the new Andy Dalton line. If you got a quarterback better than him, you're doing well. If you got one worse than him, you really need to find a fix. If you have him, eh, okay, sure. Um, And I was joking with Jace before we started recording. I hate primetime games to the Ravens. I wish this was in primetime because you know who hates primetime more than me? It's Kirk Cousins. I also think Mike Zimmer, um, you know, this defense is fine, but he's supposed to be known as like a defensive guy. And I think he's just, I think the players are tired of him and he's tired of the players. You can see it. I mean, early in the season, they had a bunch of COVID issues. Kirk Cousins, I believe, still isn't vaccinated and, you know, did the whole, I'm going to need more research thing. And, and Zimmer was clearly pissed off. Like in the, he's not a guy that hides it very well. He's a, a straight shooter. And I think that it's just, it reminds me a lot of the old, like the end of the Billick era where it was just, this team needs a shakeup. I like, I know Billick's been so good. He won a Super Bowl. The Ravens are like the Steelers. They do not fire. They, they do not need jerk reaction fire coaches. And that's obviously helped them. And it's been a benefit throughout, throughout their franchise. The Vikings have to do something here. Like they have to shake something up because it's just, they're stuck in the middle with you as Steelers wheel used to say. So I just, I, I don't know. All that being said, and we're just going to go with the offense here. I'm still worried about this Ravens defense going up against Adam Thielen. Like Anthony Averett 
and or Marlon Humphrey. One, Marlon Humphrey's grabbing Justin Jefferson or Adam Thielen, right? Maybe Thielen, the bigger physical guy. That means Anthony Averitt, who I think has played relatively well in a contract year. I know he's got has had some of his doubters. Has to go up against one of those two. That's not good for the Ravens. That is that that's inherently objectively bad. So even with all of all of the negativity surrounding the uh, Vikings after that loss to uh, Cooper Rush, which is just an all-time football name, by the way, I still am worried about that side of the ball. Yeah, I mean it's it's easy to say you know it's an important game for X player in the NFL. Every game is important, and every player has to play well for a team to win. But it's a big game for Marlon Humphrey because he got burned in a premier matchup of, you know, first round pick V former all pro. And he gets to turn around. And I, Tim, I, I don't know who he covers. I don't know if they have him follow Thielen or Jefferson across the field, or if they just pick a side. But when a team has two studs like this at wide receiver your best corner has to shut one of them down or has to at least try to negate one side of the field and it didn't look good in his in his first big test two weeks ago um and i'm not sure if we're gonna see it this week either based on these two matchups i i don't think either of these receivers i guess Thielen, tim i guess you're right that is a better matchup for humphrey in terms of getting his hands on him but we but but quickly we thought that we thought that against Cincinnati too and they put him on Chase rather than than T Higgins and clearly because they thought Chase was much better and he is but may hopefully they do that with Thielen but I I can't trust that Wink and and the coaching staff is going to line him up in that position yeah and then we've we've been talking about Patrick Queen all season and uh at the beginning of the year he was on in every play basically defensively for better or for worse he was a little bit banged up going into that Browns game, but with the snap, the snap counts came out after the game against Cincinnati and Patrick Queen ended up playing only 43% of defensive snaps. Part of that I'm sure was about that. He was a little banged up. And another part was not that he was banged up, but that his play has been lacking uh, throughout the season. Does that number, here's my, uh, my sort of hot takey question for you guys of the week. Does that percentage go up or down this week? Do they need more from Patrick Queen with the uh, the Malik Harrison news? Or is it a slow phase out because Josh Bynes has immediately become the starting middle linebacker of this team? I am inclined to think it actually could go down because I think the concern is Dalvin Cook. He's talented, and you gotta be you gotta have a guy like the Ravens trust Josh Bynes to get everyone lined up and make tackles, right? That's like what his thing is. And against Dalvin Cook, the, we've seen Patrick Queen struggle against running backs a lot less talented than Dalvin Cook. Dalvin Cook, I think, is clearly the most talented running back the Ravens played this year. Um, and I think that's a huge concern going into that matchup. And if you're the Ravens coaching staff, you have to – I think you have to go with the guy where you're like, this guy will make the tackle. Maybe he gives up an extra yard because he's slower than Patrick Queen. Um, but when he gets to, to cook, he'll, he'll bring him down and down cook hard guy to tackle. That's uh, you know, he, he bounces off a lot of guys. So I, I wouldn't be shocked if we see a lot of Josh Bynes in this game, just for, for, to focus on the Vikings run game in general. Yeah. I don't, I don't think it's a question of Bynes. I think Bynes is going to start at middle linebacker for the, for this team is going to play a majority of the snaps. 
they've moved Patrick Queen to weak side uh, in the past couple of weeks. It's it's a, a quote unquote easier position, or you know, and and Queen's been very good responding to. I am going to do whatever the team needs. I know, I know, I've been struggling. He owned it, yada yada yada. That's and that's good. You like to hear that, but maybe they have to move him inside in like a three four scheme and put him next to Bynes rather than sort of a weak side. And you know, Wink runs so many different formations that it's not just three four all the time, obviously. But yeah, I think Queen's going to have an uptick in play because look, I think he's still more talented than a guy like Chris Board. You know, as much as the Ravens coaching staff loves Board, but. You know, I'm with Jace. I think when we look at the snap count on 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 Monday, when, next Monday when we record the podcast, I think we're going to see a majority of the snaps go to Bynes, a slight uptick in Patrick Queen's reps, but that's only because obviously Malik Harrison can't play. And turning things around when the Ravens have the ball, uh, my my big question initially was who plays right tackle? What what are the Ravens going to do in that spot? But the the larger question is Vikings defense pretty good 12th in the NFL in terms of points against they give up 22 points uh, to opposing offenses so what do you want to see from the Ravens at home against this Vikings defense well obviously the last time we saw the Ravens uh, their running game had completely stalled out it was 27 yards from guys not named Lamar Jackson if they can get anything (laughs) I mean like literally anything if we can get 70 rushing yards from running backs that would be so nice that would be a delight I don't know if that'll happen to your question who will play right tackle I guess it's kind of at this juncture Tyree Phillips by default kind of because as we said they have six linemen and probably elevating Andre Smith off the practice squad I would think um so I don't know maybe him if, if Tyree has a has a rough a rough go you know we have to remember he himself is coming back from a lengthy injury absence um so I guess it's him but yeah I, I would love if they can do anything on the ground we should say um uh Daniil Hunter Vikings uh star pass rusher um appears pretty much set to not play in this game he suffered according to Ian Rappaport uh, a torn pec or he's feared to have suffered a torn pec I don't know if they've confirmed that but assuming that uh it seems like a serious injury he'll still be out which is you know a boon for the Ravens because when they were both healthy a few years ago uh Everson Griffin and Daniel Hunter were really one of the top pass rushing tandems um in the NFL that, uh, you know, not having one of those guys will help them focus more on Griffin, I would say, um, to that, to when it comes to the pass game. But yeah, for me, it all comes down to the running game. They just have to, I, I don't know if it's scheme, you know, Greg Roman, draw it up, scheme it up, but they just have to get more rushing yards than they did last game. And this is a good opportunity to bring up. There may be some important offensive additions to this team that specifically work in the running game's favor. First of all, Latavius Murray, who was out last week, he may play. It, that's just the sort of classic Harbaugh. He, he's looking better. He Maybe he'll be available. It would be nice to get him back in the starting lineup. And I can't believe him saying, like, what, what NFL world are we living in where we had the best running back duo in the NFL, in my opinion, and now I'm saying, I hope Latavius Murray is healthy for this game. Sammy Watkins is also a maybe as he recovers from uh, from his injury. And then the big one, weirdly, for uh, a Baltimore Ravens franchise, Nick Boyle. 
is off IR. The, the word on him has sort of been he needs to get back into football shape. He's getting close. He's getting ready. Um, but our backup tight end, uh, Tomlinson, was cut and then signed to the practice squad very seemingly very clearly to make space for Nick Boyle on the active roster for this game. Would be nice to get Boyle back on that line, back blocking, opening holes, especially given the weaknesses uh, of the offensive line as they stand now. Tim, is Nick Boyle enough of a fix for this Ravens offense, or, uh, or do you foresee problems moving the ball? I mean, I don't think it's going to be – I don't think they're going to dominate this game in any stretch of the imagination. It's not going to be playing like the Chargers Swiss cheese defense, but I think Nick Boyle is a massive help if he's back. I really do. You line him up on the right side to help out whoever that guy is there, and you can split Mark Andrews out wide, put him on the left in the slot, what, what have you. But Boyle's there to road great MFers and to knock people on their butt, and that's what he does well. And frankly, it's not what our offensive line has been doing very well uh, for the majority of the season. So I think it's going to be a massive boost. I think getting another – if Sammy Watkins can come back and you may be able to run four wide with Mark Andrews, Hollywood Brown – um, uh, Rashad Bateman, Sammy Watkins, maybe mixing a Devin DuVarnay every once in a while, James Prochet, like the pet weapons in the passing game. You love to see it, as they say. Um, so for me, I'm, I'm this is the side of the ball that I'm way more confident in. Uh, we, and it's still weird to say that as a Ravens fan, and we say this almost every week here on Pod Like a Raven, but I think. I'm I'm very excited to get Nick Boyle back, and yes, it's it's you know me who likes offense and defensive line pretty much more than anything uh, when I watch football. So maybe that's part of it, but I think he's going to be a boon. I really, really do. And and Latavius Murray as well. I mean, Jace nailed it. Like I think I think the running game needs to be established in this game to help your defense out and to keep Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen, and Dalvin Cook off the field. It's you know it's two plus two equals four here. It's basic basic football logic at this point. And to do that, you need to establish a running game. And to get your, you know, the 2021 version of the hammer back in Latavius Murray, I think that's nothing but a boon for this team. All right, guys, pick time. Uh, I have been wrong with the Ravens pick, I, I don't know, seven out of eight times. How many games have we played? Six out of the seven games this week, this year. I was much better last year. I, I don't know what's happening. So I've just decided now. I'm going to defer. I'm going to defer to my co-hosts, especially if there is a consensus between the two of them on the Ravens pick. I've gone back and forth. Um, so I'm going to save my three picks for the end uh, for that very reason. So, Jace, why don't you run through your Ravens selection for this week and then your other picks as well? I don't like doing this, Antonio. But the line is Ravens minus five and a half. And that just seems like a lot given what we talked about this Vikings team as inconsistent and frustrating as I'm sure they are for their own fans and for, you know, neutral fans. When you watch how much talent they have, they do have all that talent. And I think they'll keep it close, but, but I do think the Ravens find a way to win this game. I just think it'll be a close game. I think they win by about a field goal, perhaps a late Justin Tucker field goal, maybe um, to break a tie. Uh, but I think the Ravens win. We should say, um, I looked this up Ravens 10 and three out of the bye in the regular season under John Harbaugh. He is always good with extra time. We've seen it at the beginnings of seasons. We've seen it by weeks. So they've had some time to prepare for this game. The Vikings play on Sunday night. So slightly shorter preparation week for them, which I like. Um, so I think the Ravens can win, but uh, I, um, the, the, the five and a half is a bridge too far for the cover uh, for me. 
and I uh, I think Tim's in a similar boat. <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say if you, I'll I'll just run through all my picks here, Jay, so okay. I can circle back to your other two here. But um, I do want to say two more things about this game before I make my pick. Two intangibles. One, Lamar Jackson. This comes from Sarah Ellison on Twitter, but she has referenced some other people who found it. It's been running around the internet uh, while people are starting to preview for this game. Lamar has only not beaten five NFL franchises. It's his fourth season, by the way, which is just absurd to me. And the only five that he hasn't beat, he hasn't played yet. And one of those is the Minnesota Vikings. So you know what? I'm feeling pretty confident that Lamar Jackson is going to get the win. On the defensive side of the ball for the Ravens, we did not mention and we should. And if we did, apologies. I'm just going to reemphasize it because I think it's important. Derek Wolf is healthy again. You talk about a guy that's really good at stopping the run, really good at making tackles, and really good at eating up blocks that's going to help out a Calais Campbell, who I think has actually been pretty good this year. Derek Wolf rotating in that defensive line, even if he doesn't play you know, the full amount that he would, I think is a Nick Boyle-like impact on the other side of the football. In terms of picks, yeah, Jace, you nailed it. I think the Ravens win, but they don't win by more than five and a half. Um, and I think so that's why I'm going Minnesota plus five. And a half. I should say last week I went two and two. It was always going to be Green Bay on Thursday night. So give me the six points. I won Dallas, even though when we bet it, it was minus two and a half towards Dallas. That flipped. Didn't matter anyway. Won the Dallas pick. Lost Tampa Bay. And then I am officially announcing my resignation from the Fighting Dan Campbell's (laughs) fan club. We got to talk about this. We have to talk I'm, about this. I'm out. I I know. I came on this podcast over and over and over again, and I said they're doing it for Dan. I love Dan Campbell. We're biting kneecaps all the way to the win this time. The Eagles stink. My God, the Detroit Lions are bad, and Dan Campbell might be really bad. Um, he, you know, at some point you can own the losses, but you're going to have to turn around the results, as as many people have said already uh, before me. That's not an original thought, but. God, I was confident in the Detroit Lions, and that sentence just makes no sense to me. So I am officially resigning from the Dan Campbell fan club until they actually get a win this season, if they get a win this season. Well, yes, that was also one of the picks I did not get correct. I had a two-in-one week, and I lost the Lions very badly on plus three. But, uh, yeah, Tim, you mentioned that just uh, 0-17 is starting to at least look like Possible. It could happen. It could happen. <laughs> uh, so anyway, for the rest of my picks here, I am not taking the Detroit Lions. Spoiler alert. Uh, Dallas minus nine at home to Denver. Uh, Denver is punting on the season. They just traded away one of their best players. And Dallas is really good. Uh, you know, lost in the whole Cooper Rush thing. If Dak comes back, this is a this is a if Dak comes back play. Do not do this if Dak isn't there. Dallas minus nine. I think they kill Denver. I just don't think Denver's very good, especially if it's in Dallas um, and not in Mile High Stadium. Uh, Chargers minus two and a half away to Philadelphia. I know we just slagged off the Chargers, right? They're not this team that we thought they were. They're definitely three points better to Philly. I don't care where the game is playing. I know Philly just beat the Lions, but the whole point of that spiel about the Lions, the Lions are really bad. Anybody could beat that team like that, except the Ravens, who needed a record-breaking field goal. It's a whole different (laughs) conversation. Chargers minus two and a half away to Philly. And then my other pick, I'm sticking with Green Bay. Probably the game of the week if the Chiefs are actually good, and we'll know by the time this releases if they end up not losing to Daniel Jones. Uh, Green Bay plus three away to Kansas City, I think, is the play here. 
Look, the the Packers are going to have to lose at some point. After, you know, the week one embarrassment of the Saints, they've been on a roll. But you're giving me Aaron Rodgers and three points in a big game, and he's kind of in FU mode right now. I'm taking that. So Green Bay plus three, Dallas minus nine, Chargers minus two and a half, and uh, Minnesota plus five and a half, but the Ravens win. Tim, you're thinking Aaron Rodgers is back uh, to <laughs> based on his Halloween costume, perhaps? I. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> he, he somebody killed his dog, and now John, Aaron John Wick Rogers is back to slay the entire National Football League. Uh, Antonio, I don't know if you want me to to run through my other two picks before you dive into uh, if you've decided on a Ravens selection. But uh, I am also with you, Tim, on the the Chargers minus two and a half at the Eagles. I think people are down on the Chargers because the last two weeks for them have been quite bad. But I think. I think they'll have a get-right game. I don't think the Eagles are as good as certainly as they looked against the Lions. And I don't think the Chargers are as bad as they've looked the last two weeks. I think, you know, the, the first few weeks of their season can't be an entire aberration. I think they they, they kind of course correct uh, in this one um, after their, their loss. And then the other one, I am going Falcons plus six at the New Orleans Saints in the wake of Jameis Winston injury. I imagine this line might be all over the place depending on – who the Saints may name their starter if Taysom Hill's healthy, um, if it is Trevor Simeon, uh, et cetera. But uh, I'm going with the Falcons plus six more, less because I think they'll win and more just because these games are always weirdly close. I don't think the Falcons, the Falcons will find a way to blow it in the end, but the Falcons, uh, you know, they always play close games. It's kind of what they do. And then I couldn't make this an official pick, Antonio, but I just wanted to mention it because it could be hashtag uh, T-City. Jets plus 10 and a half. If you could add some points to that, get it Jets plus, I don't know, 15, 16, 17. The Jets can't cover that against this Colts team. I don't know. I'm intrigued. <laughs> Jace, what a what a perfect lead-in to uh to my picks this week. I was two and one last week. My one loss because the famous Mike White Jets ruined everything. Uh, against the Cincinnati Bengals. I thought the Jets were just going to explode into dust against a good team. And instead, no, Mike White was annoyingly good. So we're just turning it around. We're taking the Jets. And I don't even need to tease this, Jace. It's just Jets plus 10 and a half I love this. against the Indianapolis Colts on a Thursday. Short week, mind you. Mike White is buzzing. He's going to keep the mojo going. A, a three and five team is not allowed to be a 10 and a half point favorite on a short week when their quarterback may do, could do whatever at any given time to hurt his own team. I think the Colts are very quickly losing confidence in their quarterback because of the bonehead plays that he makes in the worst situations possible. And I get to work with 10 and a half points. I almost want to pick the Jets straight up. <laughs> I, I don't have the odds on that. I assume they would be fantastic, but it is still the Jets defense. So I'm not going to go that far, <laughs> but it is the Jets plus 10 and a half. I love it. And I cannot wait to get burned by the Jets yet again. Somehow my other pick is Buffalo minus 14 at the Jacksonville Jaguars. I feel like Buffalo could play terribly for three quarters and still cover this line. I, it seems impossible. I think they're going to fix some of the issues they had early in that Miami Dolphins game. And Jacksonville is Jacksonville, and they can't really do anything well offensively, defensively, special teams. Their quarterback's getting killed, even when he makes pretty good plays. 
give me Buffalo minus 14. I, I think that game ends up being, you know, a 20 to 30 point win for the bills. And then as for the Ravens, I've just been wrong on them a lot. I've been confident when they've played poorly. I've had my doubts when they had the, the, the big wins against the chiefs and the chargers. So I'm just going to go with my co-hosts and I'm going to do, uh, it hurts, but I am going to do Vikings plus five and a half. I think the Ravens win as Jace mentioned, this screams like a Justin Tucker 49 yard field goal for the win as time expires. Uh, so the Ravens do not cover, but do have the win and hang on to first place in the AFC North. Guys, any other points that you want to go over before we hit the random Raven? All right. I'm going to run through the clues one more time and give my co-hosts a chance and the listener a chance. And once again, if you get this random Raven, honestly, let us know. And we would love to plug you in the next episode because this, in my opinion, is a doozy. This random Raven played for the team for four seasons from 2001 to 2004. After playing in a reserve role his first two seasons, he became a permanent starter during the 03 and 04 campaigns. His best year was in 2004, a contract year. Mind you, this was an undrafted free agent, which is the most classic uh, Ravens defender. He had 72 tackles in 2004, five and a half sacks, and 11 tackles for loss. He then signed with the San Francisco 49ers and played three seasons there, leading all NFL defensive linemen in tackles for loss in 2007 before returning to Baltimore for the 08 season where he didn't start but played in all 16 games. He played out his 11-year career with one season with the New York Jets and one with the Titans. For the Ravens, he ended up playing in 55 games and started 32 of them, getting 183 tackles, 28 tackles for loss, and 12 sacks. He wore number 94 in his first stint with the team and 91 in his last season in Baltimore. You could even say this guy saved his best for the postseason. In 2003, in the playoff loss to the Titans, he had 13 tackles. And in the 2008 playoff run with a rookie, Joe Flacco, he had eight tackles, one sack, one forced fumble, and two tackles for loss. My co-hosts, who is this random Raven? Jace, go ahead. I got nothing. So the name I have is Aubreo Franklin, but I don't know if this is the guy who actually played for the Ravens or if he just played for the 49ers for a long time. But I know he was a 49ers defensive lineman at some point. It is not Aubreo Franklin. <laughs> no. Is it Marcus Douglas? No, right. It is Marcus Douglas. It is. Okay. It is, in fact, <laughs> Marcus Douglas. Uh We'll give you two guesses there, Jace. We will go yeah, with it. I, um, but a fantastic pull uh, at the last second there. Yeah, Marcus, I don't know why you just popped in my head at the last second, but I was like, I, I, was like, I know this. I know this guy. <laughs> he, uh, yeah, a, a free agent. He signed with the Ravens, I think, in like, or maybe in 2000 and then was cut and didn't really factor in and then played for the New Orleans Saints that year. And then was he was like with the in the facility eighteen different times uh, during his career basically, but did have five years with the Ravens, two playoff runs, a ridiculous thirteen tackles for a defensive lineman in a playoff game. <laughs> yeah, that 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 screamed to me. I was like, because you know you mentioned that Titans, and it's like that seems like a lot of stuffing Eddie George at the line. <laughs> 
had to be a lot of tackles of Eddie George. That's all I could think. I of. wouldn't. You're, that's a. I'd have to look up how many uh, how many carries George had in that game because that <laughs> felt like, like that whole game was a three three yards per rush for both teams that going nowhere. Uh, and the Jamal Lewis two thousand yard season. So yeah, you could say the Titans made a priority, made it a priority to stop Jamal Lewis. But Marcus Douglas, Jace, what a pull at at guess number two for the listener. If you got Marcus Douglas, let us know. And we will plug your name during the next episode. But that is going to do it for us. For Tim Horsey and Jay Sevens, I'm Antonio Barbera. Excited for more Ravens football coming up this weekend. And we'll be back next week to recap all of it for you. Thank you for listening to Pod Life, a Raven. We will see you next week. Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. You just take your shot. It doesn't feel like you're on a diet. What I wasn't expecting it to do was to shut off the food noise. This was life-altering, and if I can do it, I feel like anybody can do it. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.